I remind you that in your bulletins, you have a section there you can kind of use. Um, kind of keep track of today's sermon. There's a little space there. You can remember the theme. You're doing all right. Is there anything else interesting you want to write down? I even give you a little uh, doodle space. So everybody say thank you, John. Okay. Uh, after our sermon, <laughs> maybe you need a little more, right? No. Okay. After our sermon, if you'll do me a favor, as Bob is probably preparing to bring his reflection song, if you'll take time to consider the now what that we have after we hear the sermon. But today we are continuing in our endeavor to answer the question of a former member of Oak Haven. You remember that last week we talked about someone asking me, is that church growing? And we decided that that would be the big question that we would consider over the next several weeks. And that as we got to that answer, before we got there, there were some other things that we need to clarify about what it means to be growing as a church, what it might not mean, so that then later on we could answer the question. And I was telling someone this morning, when I, when, I, when I asked that question, I had to bite my tongue because I want to tell you what I said, but I want us to be able to reflect critically about what it means as a body of Christ to grow. So that's what we'll do over the next several weeks. We'll continue that. And last week, we asked that if that church is growing, then we asked that, well, are they... Do they rejoice when they find the lost coin? That? And are they helping to find those lost coins? That was our first question. Today we'll, we'll pick up and we'll get into that question again in a different way. We'll continue by looking at the pastoral letter of 1 Timothy. You might want to open up to it just so you can kind of follow along with me and uh, read some things that I want you to see. I'm going to read for you the first portion of this that I think it's important for us to get going. And it's chapter 2, first part of verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. There's a tendency, I think, to, to um, sort of highlight those different things that we assume Paul gives us. In other words, these intercessions, these prayers, these thanksgiving, supplications, we want to highlight those and we want to differentiate those and make them be certain things. And, and that's all a good thing to do. That's fine. There's something to that. But I don't want you to fall into the temptation of, of doing that too much because I don't think that was the point of what this introductory second chapter is. Yes, there are different kinds of prayers, but I think the idea is that all these work together and these are all things that we should be doing as the Christian church. But the main idea is found, I think, in the very first word of the chapter. What is the first word? First. First of all, then I urge that supplication. Right? So what's the main idea? First of all, Christian church, don't you start that meeting without first of all praying. Don't you start that Bible study without first of all praying. Don't start that rehearsal or that play without first of all praying. Don't you open the doors for worship on a Sunday morning without First of all, 
that decision without, first of all, take that job. Don't do this. Don't do that without, first of all, right. If you realize that what's important for this part of what Paul is saying is not so much these types of prayers that that's the first thing we do. When we realize that we have experienced grace, grace of God, and when we decide that a place like this is a place where grace happens, then we realize the first part of our job then, first of all, begins with prayer. Sound good? Okay. I think it's important then to consider what prayer is. Prayer, most likely it's only been about six weeks or so since the last time you heard my big mouth talk about prayer. Prayer is something we almost kind of assume from members of the church and people who follow Christ, and there's a lot of reasons to assume that. But some people, I think, are still confused about what prayer really is. Yes, prayer works. Yes, the prayer of the righteous are powerful and effective and all those kinds of things. But unfortunately, I think for many people, prayer has been reduced to a sort of the notion goes, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Everything's going wrong all at once. I know how to handle this. I mean, I didn't do it before. It didn't bother me then. But I can handle it now, and everything will be fine. Friends, miracles happen. Don't get me wrong. Is that all prayer is? I don't think prayer is sort of the automatic answer-giver, right? Oh, well, I couldn't find the answer here in this book, and nobody gave me any good ideas. God, you think you might help me out? Again, prayers are answered. Revelation has been given through prayers. Churches have been led by the prayers of people where ideas were given. Is that all it is? I can find an answer on a fortune cookie like that, couldn't I? Don't I? Well, I think we need to recall and realize that there is something much deeper prayer than that. Prayer, when we learn more what it is, and I think I've said that before, but it, it's worth emphasizing, prayer is something you can learn. You can learn more how to do. And that doesn't make you any less spiritual or anything else. Lord, teach us to pray. Look at the disciples. So there is some learning that we can do. And as we learn more and more what it is to pray, we understand, hopefully, that what prayer is, is us connecting to the will of God. It's not so much about the answers we want, about the things we want to know. It's about connecting ourselves to what God wants us to do. And that is what happens when we learn more and more how to pray. Y'all with me? Okay, let's go back to this then. Because first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all the people that you really like. Word of God? No. Oh, Paul, Paul, Paul. Why'd you have to go and swear it off to me? Why'd you got to tell me I got to pray for who? Everyone. Really? 
Everyone? Oh, come on. Is that what I signed up for? Now, what's interesting about this is we have this charge that we're supposed to pray for everyone. But then what comes next? Come. Kings and those in high places. And it seems kind of odd to me, at least, as I read that out, that we have this, this urging to pray for everyone, and then we, we call out a certain few people. Now, of course, as you read this, understand, and the point is well taken, that the Christian church, the early Christian church, not only lived in, but in a lot of ways lived against the Roman Empire. Right? The Roman Empire expected certain things, and sometimes those expectations went against the Christian faith. And so the church had to decide where and how we stand. And sometimes you can go too far with that and make too much out of it, and some people don't take it, take it enough. But that is there. And certainly we can understand that too today. There are things about our culture and things given to us as, as, as things we're supposed to do that sometimes, wait a minute, is that what my faith is calling me? So we can kind of understand that. So I think that's going on here in this text as well. But I also think as we consider how does this speak to us now more, I, I kind of I wonder if, if sometimes us Christians, that's our little heart. If we don't know who it is we want to pray for and who it is we are going to pray for, no matter what. I am waiting. Haven't done it yet, but I am waiting to have that uh, shock. To know what it feels like or to, to think about what the first thing that comes to my mind when I go to any... Go to a church on Sunday morning. And, and, and I'm going through the bulletin or wherever they have the prayer list, and I'm, I'm going through the prayer list and saying, Oh, Sister Sally. Oh, yeah. Brother Dale. Oh, that's a good guy. I like him. I who that is. Okay. Obama being right. I've had people tell me, praying for him. Why would I waste my prayer? Okay. So that whole love and pray for your enemy deal that somebody told us. Okay. I can understand how that can be difficult to do. But understand, though, as we've already said, that prayer, as we learn to do it more, us connecting to God's will. And what is God's will? Be greedy. Verse 3. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires who? To be and to See, why wouldn't we pray for him? And others are you listen to what Paul says. We do this so that we can leave, live peaceable lives and quiet lives. And don't pull out the hammock. That's not exactly the peace we're talking about. Although on a Sunday afternoon with some lemonade, that's okay. But what Paul is talking about is, is living this peaceable life in godliness 
sense of godliness takes us back to doing God's will. What is God's will? Now, we need to talk about that word saved, because that word saved means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And we talk about people getting saved, and we talk about, man, I remember when I first got saved, and sometimes, as good as it is, all we really mean to say is, I remember when I got my ticket to heaven. And you know what? I'm looking forward to heaven. Don't know what it looks like. Not exactly sure how everything is going to work out. I got some questions, but nonetheless, I'm looking forward to it. But that is that is a narrow way to think. Think about what Patty wrote to us in Were they talking about heaven? They, they were talking about because sometimes, many times, the word "save" "save" in the New Testament. Heaven's nice. One day, one glad morning, when this life is over, anybody going to fly with me? I hope so, because I need a little help. But in the meantime, hmm? what do we have to look for? I don't know if you realize this or not. We live in a broken world. There are international struggles that will just blow your mind away. There are things that we have to deal with here in the good old U.S. of A. that are just so frightening. There are issues here in the state of Texas that just make your head go, oh, man, things here in our city. And what about even in our neighborhood? Do you realize just a few weeks ago, right down the street, somebody tried to kidnap a child from this neighborhood right here? There are some things going on in the world, and when we look at them, we look at them, we look at everything. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no hope? Is there no healing? And of course, for us, we realize the answer is there is hope, and there is healing. That hope and healing was demonstrated to us by the one mediator, Christ Jesus, who gave himself up as a ransom for And in his resurrection, we are promised that there is always new life. So it doesn't matter if it's an international struggle that is so complex that you just can't wrap your mind around it, understand what's going on. It could be that complex or it could be just as simple as a small family in, in what's this neighborhood called? Broadweiler Heights, right? Or wherever it is you live in Irving, it could be that family trying to figure out how to get through everything else that's going on so they can be the God. Hope, joy, Christ's resurrection. World. Individual. We don't have to live under affliction. We don't have to live under injustice. We don't have to live under addiction. We don't have to live under hate. We don't have to live under anything else that is not of God because by the power of Christ's resurrection, friends, we are healed. Thank you. 
Now, is that church wrong? No. If they read their prayer list like this, uh, dear God, be with these people. Amen. Praying like that? No, they're not. Or, or if their prayer list like this, Lord, bring to us all the people who have the most money. Praying like that? Lord, bring to us the cool people. Go with me. See, we need prayers on behalf of people from poor and from all walks of life. People who suffer and who are in need of healing, all the healing that God can give. Doesn't matter where they come from or what they look like, what language they speak. This is a house of prayer for all nations. And we need people who will pray like that. We need to be a place where somebody will say, hmm, I'll pray, and the pastor's standing right next to him. Yes, I know I've known some people in the church that have put some pastors to shame when they start praying. That is what we need. People who understand what prayer is, what it does, and how it helps us complete the mission that we have. Prayers like that. Malachi. Gracious Lord, you have demonstrated to us, revealed to us the hope that we can have the Lord's resurrection. The power of that glorious event. Pray, God, for healing for all your work. Where there is strife, where there is affliction, where there is suffering, all the places where evil is afflicted. To your hands. People, this place, who sit around us, those we know, our neighbors, those whom we work with, do our prayers for them. Find that they will be. Those of us here in this place, we should be reminded. Saving God. Our prayers.